Introducing an incredible man in the Los Angeles community. His name is Robert Rubin. Um, Mr. Rubin is the executive director of the Vermont Village Community Development Corporation. He works in association with the Crenshaw Christian Center. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for being with us this morning. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Sylvia. It's a, a really a pleasure. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So you're from Los Angeles area originally, is that correct? Yes, I've um, been in California since the 1960s. Um, we um, migrated from Louisiana here, and I spent most of my adult life here in California. And you're the father of four daughters, correct? Married have, for over 26 years, loving wife Rita, and father of four daughters. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, my house uh, has a lot of love in it. <laughs> Talk, give us some, some of, you know, just by way of introduction to you and your philosophy on life. How, what kind of wisdom would you pass on to anyone who's raising girls, especially four of them? Well, as a I father. Just, I just think as a as a father, you know, we have to show our daughters strong leadership and love and compassion from the male perspective. You know, a lot of uh, of us, uh, especially adult males, didn't have that you know father figure in their life like my girls have in me, and I just vowed not to be one of those absentee fathers and to be able to show that, you know, you can keep a man, a man can stay around, and that you should always reach for, you know, higher heights and deeper depths and knowing that um, you can achieve anything that you put your mind to. And I just try to reinforce that with my girls, that um, don't get settled or don't settle for less because by the time you get my age uh, or old enough to think about dating or loving a man, you may go through three or four or five of them. So no matter who you bring home, I'm not get, not going to get used to any of them until you you know you set in your mind this is the one. Mm. How have they responded to to your leadership examples in this area? Uh, I have I'm like the president in my home. I have veto <laughs> power, so you know they know when Dad speaks, he means it, and he means what he says and says what he means. So I don't hold any punches back for him. Are you um how have you helped them and I know we're we're going to be talking about the you know the CDC and the Vermont Village Community Development Corporation but I think this is a real important topic because so many of our listeners are women and inspiring and empowering women is one of the the key um purposes of Sylvia Global in this area of leadership what what exactly um do you and your wife Say and do and demonstrate, you know that leadership quality to instill that in your daughters. We get up and we go to work every day for sure, uh, and to 
show them that hard work pays off in the end. Uh, my girls have uh, experienced things in their life that it took me 40 years to experience. They've been out of the country. They've been to Hawaii, um, Jamaica, Mazalan, Cabo. And when taking my kids on those trips, I explained to them at an early age that you are 12, 13, 17, and I'm 40-something years old, and I'm just now getting out of the country. So this experience that I'm giving you is an experience I didn't achieve until I was in my late 40s. And here you are experiencing it in a young age. And I wanted you to see different cultures, go different places, and really show you that you can have family uh, vacations together. You can, If you stick together, you can do just about anything you set your mind to. How do they respond in turn? Um, they have conversations around, you know, you're the best dad. You know, you're the best dad there is. I know there's other fathers out there that are, you know, just as good as I am. But just hearing it from your kids to say, hey, you, you're doing the best that you can and you're treating us the way you're treating us lets me know that I'm doing the right thing. And I, I and we do have drama. You know, anytime you have four women in the house, there's going to be some <laughs> drama. And if you, you know, uh, count my wife, that's five. So um, we we try to deal with it, you know, uh, in a mutual uh, way and, and, and discuss it. We have family meetings. We sit down. We talk about our issues. And sometimes they get resolved. Sometimes we have to go. Uh, table things and come back, you know, after people have cooled down and and can think logically. But most of all, we try to communicate that between each other so that you shouldn't have any secrets, I shouldn't have any secrets. And if I have something that I'm harboring against you, let's talk about it and see if we can resolve our issues. Do you have meals together? The traditional meals, as we got older, we stopped. Everybody... Um, uh, has went their separate ways. Everybody has a television. Everybody has a laptop, and everybody has their own room. So the traditional setting for family conversations. When I do dinners and I need to have in-depth conversations, I will take them out and I will sit down with them and have that conversation, but not at the dinner table anymore. That, I think that's a thing of the past. How old are they? Uh, my oldest daughter is 30. I have a child that's 25. My middle child is 21, and my last child is 17, about to turn 18 in November. Well, so uh, congratulations. Thank you. And I think it sets the tone for uh, some of your philosophy and approach to how you perform your leadership example at the Vermont Village Community Development Corporation. You know, I asked you before we came on the air, what were the three most important um, things to you in your life and, you know, personally and professionally. And, and it was um, it was quite refreshing to hear the response that you gave. You know, you said that to see others achieve their goals, you know, is very important to you and the ability to affect change, you know, through assistance and to see people grow personally um, and economically, fair housing and employment. Talk to us about the mission of the Vermont Village Community Development Corporation and how these important elements, that, that these things that are important to you, 
get incorporated into your leadership there at the Community Development Corporation? I think uh, purpose and intent is everything. You know, trying to um, build a name for yourself opposed to building others, I think sometimes you can get into a conflictual um, uh, mindset of why are you doing what you do? What is your purpose? What were you made to do? What's your What's your design? If If for me, I found early on that I, I'm 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 a helper. Uh, I'm able to uh, get into a situation, uh, find a solution, and not really try to point finger at who is wrong, but what is wrong. And I've learned that the reward that you get from other people being built up builds you up. Uh, and you really don't know how much an effect you've had on an individual until later on in life or someone you see, you know, down the road who walks up to you and says, hey, I remember you. You were that guy uh, in those shorts with that afro in the teen center back in the early 80s. You had a great impact on my life. And I looked around and I said, well, you know, I don't quite remember exactly who you are, uh, but I was glad to be able to be of assistance to you. And then as they talk more about the situation, oh, yeah, now I remember, remember, you're the twin of the twin that was at the boys' club in the neighborhood when I was an intern in college. Mm-hmm. And I was working there as a as a, a youth leader, helping with uh, communications and things of that nature. And you were one of those kids. And now she's grown, has her own children, and I just I haven't seen her since the I just saw her last week, matter of fact. Um, after not seeing her since the mid uh, from like seventy nine to eighty one. Wow. It, that, that's heartwarming because then you know you've been effective because you set out to do what to have the kind of influence that you hope to have and you got reaffirmation that you succeeded at it, but that wasn't, you know, for your own gratification. It was for the purpose of being able to see someone else succeed. Yes, and going mm-hmm. into it into a situation as an intern, not knowing what your impact would be but having one and Mm. the intent and the motivation behind the work that was being done at the boys club was not intended i went in as a public relations major to assist with communication and getting the word out doing a press kit public relations type attitude uh not knowing that in that conversation someone was listening to what i had to say in regards to re-education when I say re-education, one who dropped out of school and then started back in school to try to achieve a goal and having that conversation may have helped someone. Mm. What is the mission of the Vermont Village Community Development Corporation? We simply want to help change the atmosphere for economic development in an area that has been divested of uh, growth from a commercial perspective, in a very long time. The vision came out of uh, Dr. Betty Price at Crenshaw Christian Center to bring and restore the community to its former state 
we had been divested a couple of times during the watch riot and then the civil unrest, and it just seems as if the economic uh, value of the neighborhood has never returned to its former state. How are how are how close do you feel you are coming to achieving the desired mission and goals? Well, it has its set setback. Um, we have a community that has a lack of resources, economic development, recreational activities, uh, quality educational institutions. Uh, you name it, we're plagued with it. And then you turn around and you you have to deal with the uh, official city regulator uh, regulators and the state regulators that want and have eliminated the uh, infrastructure to help do economic development in that of the community redevelopment agency being disbanded across the state of California the resources that would have been there have now been taken away right after achieving an RF uh, request for um, a proposal to do uh, a commercial development of two and, two and a half city blocks, and then for that to be pulled off the table sets you back even further from achieving your goal. What happened? The state of California has recently disbanded and dissolved all of the community redevelopment agencies throughout the state of California. That's AB 126? Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the uh, AB, uh, the regulatory number is, Mm -hmm. but the community redevelopment agencies across the state of California are no longer in existence. They are now dissolving the I believe if I'm not mistaken um there were over 46 uh I'm sorry 14 uh different counties that are being affected and maybe more but the redevelopment agency used tax credit increments to set aside dollars for economic development and that tool is no longer going to be viable because the state budget needs to be balanced and they figure the best way to balance it was to eliminate CRA. You know, that that is um, Assembly Bill 126. And when I first learned about it, which was, you know, that happened in December. The, the, um, it, uh, correct. And that was unbelievable because the very resource that would be used to serve as an economic stimulus in communities, especially communities like the one that you're describing and that you operate within, um, all of the communities that um, where economic development offices exist, they exist because there is tremendous need and it's out of balance in relationship to other community resources throughout, you know, elsewhere. And so to learn that that very, that legislation could actually pass that would hold a community back and repress um, all of its resources so that it not only stays in an underdog position, but it's actually, um, I, I felt in my heart, like in my gut, like people were being given the shovel to dig their own graves, you know, in the community when it came to 
um, improving their economic well-being. And when there are organizations like the Vermont Village Community Development Corporation whose sole purpose is to elevate, not to repress or bury the economic potential, then it, it really reaffirms how out of balance more than our budget is, you know. Uh- and 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 then you compound the problem uh with the redistricting process that goes on every 10 years and the, the economic base for three of our communities that are predominantly uh latino and afro american the only three council members uh for the city of los angeles have to be in a dispute over where lines are going to be drawn that will cut off even further economic development because the lines move to benefit other uh, districts that were uh, um, uh, definitely uh, stronger than other districts. And you take whatever viable economic resources or, or tax revenue that was in another district, moved the line to benefit another area, even sets you back further. You you can't do economic development or growth unless you have uh, what I call the Main Street concept. Main Street says you have to have viable commercial development, job development, uh, decent educational uh, um, institutions, and this works hand-in-hand. Um, you can't just have strip malls on every corner and not have national retail organizations coming into your community to help you spend your money in a local district to help build infrastructure, um, tax revenue, to uh, do street lighting and street improvement. If there is no revenue coming in to that neighborhood, you create a ghetto state of mind, a ghetto type um, neighborhoods, which then in turn even sets you back further. When were the moments of greatest success? The moment of the greatest success, um, I believe, was developing um, affordable housing for uh, people with 50% of the medium income levels. Um, back in the uh, early um, uh, 19, uh, I say, want to say mid 90s, uh, a lot of organizations, including churches, were building um, uh, and starting economic development corporations or community development corporations, and helping with the decent affordable housing being produced in their communities. And we produced a lot of affordable housing because the trend was shifting. People were complaining about uh, not being able to... A prime example is a person with a uh, three-family household who nets uh, monthly, out of the three people, $1,800 a month. And if you're netting $1,800 a month, 50% 50% of your income, which is $900, was going towards your rent, which left the other 900 to operate your household. So people in our community didn't have the access to the affordable housing 
instead of paying 900 a month, they're paying 1200 of that $1,800 a month. So the, the durable income that is left is just not enough to maintain a stable yeah. household. So for me, the work that we did in developing that housing that will probably stand 50 to 100 years from now was one of my greatest achievements. Is there an incentive for a church to want to start a CDC, given, especially in California, given the the climate and bills such as one, AB 126? I, I believe that uh, social economic development justice has always prevailed within the church. Even during the early days of civil rights movement, a lot of our greatest leaders came out of the church that stood for injustice and said that we must have parity and justice. And you have to have not just civil rights, but you have to have economic justice as well. And I think churches early on were great accumulators of wealth and assets because they bought a lot of land. They bought property. They brought churches. I mean, they own, you know, uh, a block or two, maybe three blocks in their community. They were providing shelter, child care. You know, this was that was economic development. And in this day and time, we have to try to figure out another avenue because we can't always rely upon government subsidies to do the right thing for our constituents. We must put ourselves in a position to be able to access dollars that will flow into a community to help you rebuild and to attract economic stimuloids to your community by way of affordable housing, business, small business uh, development, and commercial development that will help you build a striving community in association with a financial institution that does business in your community, such as our local national banking institutions that used to have, may still have, some CRA requirements to take money that you are taking from customers and reinvest it in your community to make sure that community strive. And I think churches are in a good position because we dump millions, if not billions of dollars a week into these financial institutions that take our money but we don't see the reinvestment back into our community. Where is the conversation taking place to to address that? I think it's been everywhere. Churches for United, uh, churches for United Economic Development. There has been local level. There are all sorts of collaborations uh, with the uh, uh, Koreans, the Filipinos, the Afro Americans, the Latinos. The social norms. Uh, of conversations are being had, but I don't see uh, a strong uh, national movement toward addressing the issue where there's a huge consortium of individuals with the same interest that talks about what and how can we improve the financial infrastructure of our community. I, I don't see it. Is this a regional problem, a local problem, or is it a national problem? I believe it's a national problem. I I think the government uh, has a role uh, to play in it. Uh, if we can spend our money to bail out General Motors, 
the banking institutions, why can't we put that same money in the hands of nonprofit organizations that have always had their pulse on the um, situation and the plight of poor people and give us an opportunity to turn things around. Uh, I can't remember the number, but if I would have been the president of the United States, I would have gave every working American a million dollars and said, hey, go stimulate the economy. The trillions of dollars that we have, 300 million Americans in uh, the United States of America, about approximately 300 million. I'm hearing the number that we spent to bail people out was trillions. But the money that was being used came from the work and the backs of those individuals who work and pay their taxes, but we gave the money to the banks and to the corporations to keep them from failing when our households and our families were losing their homes and losing their jobs, can't find work. And we didn't give them any handout. So I would have thought that if you made everybody a millionaire, they would have put the money in the bank, they would have went out and purchased, bought, invested, and we would have all been involved in this recovery. And not just, you know, high-powered organizations or corporations and our banks or institutions that are taking our money anyhow making investment, paying us 0.3% interest on the little money that we do have in the bank, we would have solved our problem years ago. Are, are there any banks that get it right? I don't know of any that have uh, really stepped up to the plate and just uh, said, hey, this is how we do it. Uh, there's always this concession or this com- uh, community redevelopment uh uh, stimuloid that says you have to reinvest, but the ones that benefit from that are few and far between. You have to have an infrastructure. You have to have a system in place to be able to receive dollars and do the right thing with them. And I don't think a lot of organizations are, are in a position to receive that type of uh, investment. You know, in 2009, um, Hey Pen M. Um, the president of the Korean Coalition or Korean Council of Churches and Community Development, um, co-hosted a a partnership with L.A. County Supervisor Mark Ridley Thomas, and that included a bus tour with black and Korean um, pastors. You know, one of the comments that came out of that was an excitement about the economic development projects and public-private partnerships that could come forth in the future with Korean churches. Do you see any of that happening uh, within the Korean and African-American community development uh, relationships and churches? I believe information sharing is going forth, but economic resources are not being shared. Um, Afro-American and Latino uh, families are consumers. They're not producers. Uh, I see the Korean um, uh, and Asian population as more of producers. They benefit from having uh, mini markets, gas stations, auto mechanic stores in 
in communities of color uh, and the dollars and cents that we spend to have our car repaired, the hair care products, the food that we buy, uh, the fuel that we buy, that money goes into the hands of the Korean who takes that money and banks in their community. Uh, so we don't have that same infrastructure in the Afro-American uh, uh, community or the Latino community uh, to the degree that we have a Korea town. I've never heard of a black town or a Mexican town or a Hispanic town. I've heard of a Hispanic community or the black community, but not a community that strives uh, with an economic bank uh, with their name on it that services that population only. The Afro-Americans and Latinos don't have that. So if we work together, we can talk about strategies and we can talk about collaborating, but we don't share our resources. Do you see that changing or does it need to change? I think it needs to change. Um, I don't. I, one of my good associates is, is his name is Chong. He owns an auto mechanic. Anytime uh, uh, an auto uh, uh, service center, and you know, you go, you have your oil change, you have your car smog check, and we conversate, you know, a lot. But we don't own anything because we're we're consumers, and I'm I'm hoping that the dialogue changes. That and I, and and you know, I don't know how true the um, stigma is in regards to how. Are Asians uh, and Latinos able to open up small businesses and have that opportunity to bank at an institution that has a a Korean name and get the resources that they need to open up a car wash in a predominantly Afro-American or Latino uh, neighborhood and strive when blacks don't have that uh, that opportunity in a lot of cases. I mean, I can take take you on a drive through um, uh, through the community and, and show you and highlight, you know, thriving organizations and businesses like liquor stores, uh, mini markets, and gas stations, and even motels. To that fact, they, they, all the motels in the, in the community are owned by uh, Indians. Um, you have a few Afro-Americans that own liquor stores. You have a few that may have a McDonald's franchise. You have a few that may have uh, uh, a stake in one uh, gas station uh, in the neighborhood. But the smaller mom-and-pop businesses just do not thrive, and we don't bank our money in our community. It only changed hands here once from wherever it comes from, wherever you work, to the person that receives it because you buy a durable good and then it goes out into a more affluent neighborhood where it's banked at. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic, but I haven't seen the turnaround. February 2013, there's plans for the SBA to host a faith-based summit what would be the most valuable information that you could benefit from and walk away from on that day? I would hope that the marketing and the strategy starts now to talk about uh, February Black History 
month, how appropriate, to have an economic summit that may benefit entrepreneurs, small black business, and Latino and Korean organizations to get the word out that we must find a way to be producers and not just consumers. And by doing that, I hear and I've heard it a lot that the backbone of this country is small business. So why not try to shift from everyday work, job, sort of say, and start thinking about small business enterprises? I, I, I'm, I'm a, um, a, a guy that's very open-minded about any time an idea concept comes into our community, I can drive through and say, hey, that's a good spot for a, oh, that's a nice location for a, and then come back six or seven months later and something is there, but no exactly person of color t- yeah, right, right. Is, is actually putting it there. Mm-hmm. We have the ideas, but we don't have the resources. So by resources, the actual tools in hand. The actual tools in hand, you know, I've I've seen – these uh, what we call CDFI, Community Development Financial Institution Organizations, that do small business development hosting and sit you down, teach you how to do a business plan and walk you through a process of how to better increase your your viability of increasing, you know, your um, marketing strategy to bring uh, clients to your organization and so on and so on. But just going through that exercise alone uh, is not going to be helpful if you can't leverage fifty to a hundred thousand to four hundred thousand for that matter. Any f- national franchise is going to cost you four hundred thousand um, to build the infrastructure uh, from a, a tilt-up location to be able to house a company. You have to be able to pay, buy your product, your inventory and your staff without worrying about that to build your business, to get people into your business. We're doing wing stops in the neighborhood. We're doing subways. But Trader Joe is not coming. <laughs> you know, they, they've they've emphatically told us that, you know, this is not the demographics for a Trader Joe. And so you have fresh and easy that may come, but then you have to find the plot of land large enough to do 20,000 square feet to even attract an organization or, or a national chain of anything to this neighborhood when there's a fear because of the stigma that South Los Angeles has had over the years uh, about its constituents. You know, we live in the neighborhood and go to work, and, and we don't have that fear. But we spend billions of dollars on the same products that um, – uh, outer line areas use we spend our dollars in other communities for the same product but we can't get the product to sell in our community in order to build our infrastructure to be able to have a financial institution that we can go and borrow from to show that if you were here with the finances and the revenue, we would be able to be self-sustainable. So with the incremental tax credits all now eliminated, uh, there further reduces any incentive? 
I, I, I'm afraid you're absolutely correct, and we will sit with blight. Uh, we will mm-hmm. try our best to bring healthy foods to the community, and we will try our best to attract uh, a national recognized chains to the area, we have to drive to Inglewood, which is probably five to seven miles away, to to, to go to a sit-down restaurant. The nearest pharmacy, I can't even think of what the nearest pharmacy is. The, the nearest Sizzler is in Inglewood. The nearest Red, uh, Red Lobster is in Inglewood. This is South Central, Los Angeles. Five miles east, west, north, and south, you have... Uh, Wingstop as a sit-down restaurant, or you have the uh, 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 Roscoe's Chicken and Waffle as the next sit-down restaurant. The next Chili's or Buffalo Wings, they just opened up one in the Crenshaw Plaza area, which is a higher economic um, uh, per per capita income neighborhood, oh, they're beginning to drop some money. And then the line just changed, which would have had that in, uh, revenue in the 8th Council District, but it went to the 10th. So we lose that. The ninth Council District loses the Staples Center and L.A. Live and, and Watts doesn't have anything. The only connection they have to economic development in the 15th Council District is the harbor, which is 10 miles away. But Watts and Jordan Downs tax increments go into affordable housing so people have decent living, but there aren't any major chains in the area. So it's political, it's financial, and it all comes down to economic impact. Where What's the role of the church in, I, I definitely am going to have to ask you to come back so we can continue this conversation, but I do want to close with this question. What is the role of faith in the church in think, moving this forward? I think faith, we just have to take our head out of the sand mm. <laughs> and really recognize for what it is. Mm-hmm. The poor you're going to have with you always, but you don't have to be poor. I mean, I I I very seldom eat lunch because I want to eat and have a healthy lifestyle. And to find a healthy meal in South L.A., where do I go, you know, to get it? I can't eat uh, Wingstop every day. I can't eat Subway every day. So I think the church has to be able to empower its constituents, its members, and who says that nonprofit has does not have to profit? A nonprofit can profit as long as the money that it profits with is reinvested to continue the profits to keep it going. Why not own a nice yogurt land in the area in the hot summer months where Los Angeles is hot more than Three hundred days in a year, and sell yogurt all day long. I have to go to Carson to get yogurt. I don't even think we have a yoga land anywhere in South Los Angeles. So the church can position itself and its 
IRS status to leverage that to become the economic stimulus that addresses the financial and financing needs of its mem- its congregation and begin to educate and revamp uh, and recirculate those dollars only economically. By, only by the the key what you, in the, what you just said was the organizational structure, there has to be a a an associated organization under the church's banner that has faith to believe that we can affect change by having a designated 501c3 that is set up for social development capacity building of a community of a body of a neighborhood so that the church can stay to its mission which is saving souls but the Social Economic Development Corporation is in the business of saving communities. Can but you repeat that for me? The the social economic the social role for the church is to continue to save people, save souls through their ministry. The social economic development plight of a economic development corporation or community development corporation should be in the business to save the community. You don't have to be a member of the church to get services through the Social Economic Development Corporation. You have to be a member of the church in order to get the benefit of what the church offers, which is the spiritual development and guidance of being prosperous. But we have to go out through the other arm and be able to build the prosperity through economic development and change and social change of building a healthier community. Robert Rubin, Executive Director of the Vermont Village Community Development Corporation in association with the Crenshaw Christian Center. Um, I am so sorry to have to interrupt you, and but I want to close on that note because I think it will be a very strong place for us to pick up our next conversation on the role of the church in community economic development, and you're a living example of how it can be done and how you persevere um, in the midst of the challenges in order to turn a bad situation around to good. Thank you so much for being here today with me on Sylvia Global. Robert? Thank you. I okay. um, I was waiting for that sign-off. Uh, okay. I had drifted out for a few minutes. Okay. Thank you for having me. I want you to come back again um, very soon. This broadcast can be heard on iTunes as a podcast, um, but go to sylviaglobal.com, click on radio, um, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and support the work that is being done by Robert Rubin, and the Vermont Village Community Development Corporation. How can they find you, Robin, uh, Robert? What's your website, please? Our website address is www.v as in Victor, v as in Victor, c as in Charles, d as in David, c as in Charles, org. That's Thank Vermont you. Village Community Development Corporation acronym. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Have a wonderful day, and we'll keep you in our prayers and support and do what we can here at Sylvia Global to assist you as you assist others. Thank you. I appreciate it.